Well, Feliz Navidad and Merry Christmas, everybody. Uh, man, are you guys ready to celebrate Christmas or what? Anybody? Anybody with me? Okay, okay. Uh, I do want to say thank you to a couple people. So you guys know our preschool minister, Kim Brown. And so Kim Brown, she got a little team together, and I hope I have everybody's names. If not, please yell out your name if, if you were here and I just didn't catch it. So Kim Brown had Misty and Candice and Grace and Haley, and Hannah. Did I miss anybody? Christy. Thank you, Christy. Sorry, I didn't get that name. But they kind of helped us decorate for Christmas, and they're still not done. There's still more to go, but I'm just so thankful for them. So we're going to celebrate that. Yes. I'm so thankful for Christmas time. And you know, with Christmas time comes a lot of Christmas parties. And so I was uh, at my first Christmas party last night, and I just wanted to share something with you guys because I think it might be something that, uh, you know, we kind of do every time we celebrate Christmas together. But here was what I got with, uh, what, do we, what do we call that, the white elephant? Is that what it's called? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I was with one of our small groups, and uh, here's, here's what I ended up with. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Okay, so check this out. I was like, hey, what if we did this, like, every single Sunday, like, at the beginning of Christmas, the December, and we just kind of, like... <laughs> and every time I do this, everyone knows, hey, it's Christmas time. It's just happening. I promise it stops here in a little bit. It doesn't keep going. Boom. There you go. Yeah, see, isn't that funny? So Merry Christmas. It's Christmas time, everybody. So I just thought I'd, I just thought I'd do that because I, th- I thought it was fun. Uh, so I'm just thankful for that. Oh, there you go. Okay. Uh, so it's Christmas time. It is, uh, I guess, the most wonderful time of the year. Um, but we are in this new series um, that we're going to start called "Remind Me." Uh, this new series called "Remind Me," and so I'm really excited for this uh, for this series because I know during the Christmas time we're always talking about, okay, let's remember Jesus and His Virgin Birth and all these kind of things. Uh, but we do want to continue to focus on that. But we also just want to help you maybe with a prayer. I was saying, what if during this Christmas time, your prayer would be, Lord, remind me. Lord, remind me. As I navigate through this Christmas season, as I navigate the situations in my life, as I navigate my own personal struggles, Lord, remind me. Remind me who you have promised to be. Lord, remind me of what you have promised to do. Lord, remind me of what you have done in my own life. And so we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 9, and I know we've been in Nehemiah for a while, so it might take you a little bit to find Isaiah, but go ahead and find Isaiah with me, Isaiah chapter 9, and we're just going to be in two verses, verses 6 and 7, so you can go ahead and find those. And as you look for Isaiah chapter 9, uh, I was able to read all the way through, like halfway through Isaiah, and I was just reminded about how the beginning of Isaiah is so gloomy. It's just so dark, and it's just, it's just like so heavy. Um, and it's not until we get to chapter 9 that we go from like gloomy to glory. Where it's like, okay, we're seeing some light, we're seeing some, some hope here. And so we have this moment where Isaiah is just talking about the Messiah and this child that's being born. And so the verses we're about to read all point to Jesus, all point to the Messiah. And I'm hoping that by the end of our time, I will, I will be able to prove that to you. Um, because we have to understand that the Old Testament continues to point to the New Testament, continues to point to Jesus as the Messiah, and he is the hope for the world. And so let's go ahead and stand up together, and we're just going to read Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. 
So it says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This is the word of the Lord, and praise be to God. Amen. You may be seated. So as we look at this, we do have to understand the Christmas promise is Jesus. That is the Christmas promise. But there's also some intricacies in that Christmas promise. Because part of the Christmas promise is God's perfect timing to bring exactly what humanity needs at the exact time they need it. That in his perfect timing, God, the Son of God, came to us. Because if you look at Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, it says that it was the fullness of time. It was the perfect time that Jesus came. And there's a lot of things we could talk about, like uh, the Pax Romana, Alexander the Great. I mean, we could talk all about that. But we're just going to say that God, in the perfect time, in the fullness of time, and if you keep on reading that verse, you know what it says? It says this, that God sent his son, that God sent, that God gave, that God brought. And so it's all the same thing that we're seeing in these verses. And so what's our main idea? What's our our main point here? Again, that one thing that we want to tell people over lunch, what do we say? Well, here's the thing I want you to get. I want you to write this down. God's perfect timing. God's perfect timing. And so if someone asks you, hey, would you learn at church today? You can say, well, God's perfect timing. And you can say that. And so to illustrate this, uh, God's perfect timing, again, it is Christmas time, so I just want to ask you a question. What is a traditional food that you, like, eat during Christmas? What is that one thing that your parents only make during Christmas or you make during Christmas or that your grandparents made during Christmas? Well, I'm going to share, you, I'm going to share with you what, uh, what my family does during this, the holiday season, and that's we make tamales. Okay, so I don't know if you've ate yet, but I hope I don't make you too hungry with these tamales. But my family, what we do is we always make tamales during Christmas time. And man, let me tell you, it is a process. It's like a five-day process, practically. We're buying the food to eating the food. It's just, it takes a long time. And when it comes to making tamales, you have to like have this huge bowl, and you're kind of doing this thing, and you take turns. You're like, hey, Caleb, come on. And, you know, and then, hey, Jaciel, come on. And like everyone has a turn on making tamales. But when you think about making tamales, I don't know if you guys have made them. It takes, it, not only does it take time, but when you start cooking them, there's this perfect amount of time that they have to be cooked. Because if you take them out too early, they're really soggy. And then, yeah, you don't want to eat soggy tamales. But then if you leave them in the, in the olla, which is uh, olla as a pot. Thank you. I started thinking in Spanish when I say tamales. You know, when it, if you leave them in the pot too long, they get really, really dry. And it's like, okay, well, I don't want to take it out too early. I don't want to take it out too late. I have to take it out at its perfect time. And that's just a little illustration to show us that even as human beings, we want to rush the process. We, we, we want to get there to the moment we're eating tamales. And so we want to get there so bad that we take it out and it's soggy. Or as human beings, man, we want to get to that moment where we're eating the tamal, whatever that may be metaphorically for you. But then you kind of get distracted and and you forget the tamales, and you're like, oh, man, now they're too dry. 
And so as human beings, that's, that's what we do. And so we have to remember God's perfect timing. That his timing is greater than ours. And so we're going to be looking at that this morning. And so as we look at uh, chapter 9, verse, verse 6, um, there's this point I want us to grab just from that verse, and it's this. We have to see this. We have to see who Jesus has promised to be. Who Jesus has promised to be. And so before we get into just some of the nuances of that, I, just, I do remind you that this is talking about Jesus. And if we look back at Isaiah chapter 7, 7 uh, verse 14, it says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and he will call him Emmanuel. So if we look at that, and then we look at Luke chapter 1, we have this moment in Luke chapter 1 where an angel comes to a virgin who is Mary. And so he comes to Mary, and he says this in verse 29 to 33. It says this, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will receive, a, you receive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign forever, Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. So here you have an angel going to a virgin named Mary and says, hey, this, you're going to bear a son. And so again, you see these connections. And when you look at this verse 6 and you look at who Jesus says he is and, and what other scriptures say Jesus is. I mean, you can think of uh, John 1.1 1, 1, where it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was, was with God and the word was God. And then you go all the way to verse 14 that says, and then the word became flesh and resided among us. So you have all of these connections. And as we look at this, where it says, for us, a child is born, a son is given. And that should remind us that it's not an accident what happened. It's not an accident that, that Jesus came. He was sent. He was given. It was God's gracious work and God's gracious hand that said, yeah, this is not a coincidence. This is on purpose. This is not a coincidence. I'm giving it to you. It's not a coincidence. This is all for you. And that should remind us that our salvation is not an accident. That our Savior is not an accident. That he came at a perfect time. That he arrived in a, in a timely manner. And he was all planned from the beginning. And so we see this all with his arrival. We see this, that he is this righteous king, this righteous ruler. And all of this just shows us that Jesus is the king. That as a king, he is a wonderful counselor. That as a king, he does have all the qualifications to have this beautiful, everlasting relationship with his children. That he is the mighty God, the Prince of Peace. And those are the things we're going to focus on this morning. We're going to tether out each one of those labels. And so the first one we're going to tether out is Jesus as the wonderful counselor. And so we see that this child will be the wonderful counselor. And so we can totally see that Jesus is the wonderful counselor. And so what does this mean, that Jesus is the wonderful counselor? So I want you to think of this word wonderful. In our language, how do we use the word wonderful, right? Many of us say, oh, you know, that's wonderful, that's amazing, that's awesome, that's nice. But this word right here, wonderful, is, is more than just that. It's more than just the way we use it. In its original language in Hebrew, it, it uses this word wonderful as like in, uh, incomprehensible, amazing, extravagant full of wonder, full of awe, almost a type of wonder where it just leaves you speechless. 
That's the kind of wonderful that we're talking about. That Jesus is wonderful in such a way, kind of like when you look at the stars and you have nothing to say other than wow. That's the kind of wonderful we're talking about. Not the wonderful of like, oh, that's nice. And then as we talk about the counselor, again, the counselor is this, is this word that was used for kings. When you think about Solomon as, as the wisest king to ever live, he was a counselor to the people around him. He was the one giving wise advice to the people around him. And we see this in 1 Kings, we see it in Micah. But all of this is just describing that Jesus is the wonderful counselor. And I want to read this to you. It's Colossians chapter 2, verse 3. It says this, In Christ, everything uh, it says, hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That in Christ, everything, all these treasures of wisdom and knowledge is in him. And so Jesus is our wise king, our wise counselor. And when you have this combination of both the wonderful counselor, that he's both wonderful and he's both a counselor as well, that means he's this extraordinary individual, incomprehensible, extravagant. But then also he's very skillful, very skillful in wisdom, very skillful in advice, very skillful of saying, yeah, I'm extravagant, but man, I'm skillful in order to help you out. Like, I want to be there with you. I want to be there to give you advice. And that's something that reminds me of what we talked about a couple, uh, couple weeks ago, maybe months ago. We talked about going to the Holy Spirit for advice. Well, again, we see here that we can go to Jesus for advice as our wonderful counselor. And this just reminds me that if you think about counselor in our day and age, we think of going to a counselor and we kind of try to like spew everything out to them. And they listen. And we try to like show them our heart and our mind. When you think about Jesus, and this either might scare you or, or this might like comfort you. I'm not sure which one. But Jesus knows every single part of your heart. Jesus knows everything that you think. Jesus knows everything that you've ever said. And again, I don't know if this will scare you or comfort you, but imagine the person next to you if they knew everything you thought of. Imagine the person next to you if they knew every inch of your heart, all the darkest, deepest parts of it, all the most joyful parts of it. You see, that's Jesus. And Jesus, as our wonderful counselor, wants to be in the midst of all of that. And he says, man, I see every part of your heart and I still love you. I see every part of your heart and I still want you to be connected to me. Not not like disconnected from me, but I want you to be connected and walk with me and, and, and be the one who calls on me. You see, Jesus as the wonderful counselor means a lot to me because just a couple weeks ago, I was, I was called at like five or six at night and I was headed to Oklahoma City and I got a phone call from one of our newest members here um, and she, she goes to the 1230 service and so I'm like driving and I get a phone call. She's like, hey, um, uh, my ex-husband just died in Mexico. Do you mind helping me tell my family and, and my kids? And I said, yeah, like, when would you want to do that? Like, I'm so sorry. You know, would you want to do that, you know, uh, next week, tomorrow? What does that look like? She's like, no, can we do it tonight? And I said, yes, we can do that tonight. That'd, that'd, be, that'd be great. And uh, I was like, okay, well, we're going to do this thing. And so I had her send me the address, and I'm driving, and I'm saying, Lord, I've never done this before. Like, I have never had to sit down and tell a family, hey, um, your dad died. 
And so I just remember, you know, praying and saying, Lord, help me. I need your wisdom. Lord, I, I need you to help me counsel this family. What does that look like? And so I get into the apartment, and, and I'm sitting there. And I, and I thought it was just going to be like, you know, three, four people. But it was like this whole family. And so I'm walking around trying to be courteous. And, you know, I sit down. And uh, our church member looks at me and just kind of does one of these. And I said, oh, you're trying to tell me I need to speak. Okay. All right. You're trying to tell me that I'm supposed to break the news. Okay. All right. So as I look at the family, I saw different generations. And I said, okay. And, and you can laugh at this. You don't have to laugh at this. It's whatever. It's just kind of the way I think. It's like, okay, all of you are brown, but I don't know if some speak English or some speak Spanish. So I was like, okay, how many of you speak English? And I had like five raise their hand. I said, okay. ¿Cuántos de ustedes hablan español? How many of you speak Spanish? And like the other raised their hand and said, okay, I'm going to have to do this in English and in Spanish. And that whole night, I had to break the news and I had to translate and I had to do all these things and counsel and give wisdom and listen in English and in Spanish. And I just thought, wow, how beautiful is this that these people have a church they can go to where they can express themselves in their heart language and just get it all out. And I can just be there and just kind of facilitate while at the same time in my brain saying, Lord, help me, Lord, help me, Lord, help me, Lord, help me, Lord, help me. And I just remember a moment at the very end. It's just, it's just me and our newest church member and her uh, two daughters and a son. And uh, we were having this little moment together. And uh, I began to just kind of counsel them as a family because I, I saw some tension there. <clears throat> and we, I, we began to talk, and, and the Lord gave me a question. Um, and I asked them this question. I said, hey, how, how, do you, how do you want to be loved in this moment? Like, what is the best way that, that these three can love you? And as I began to ask that question, I saw just them just like break, but heal all at the same time. And that was a question God gave me. And so I was like, Lord, thank you for being my wise counselor because I needed that. But then there's, there's this moment where the youngest looked at me and I can see that she was just struggling to talk in Spanish. And I said, hey, just tell me in English and I'll tell everyone else. And she's like, oh, thank you. And she like starts crying. It's like, yeah, I can tell you in English. And so she just expresses herself in English and I was able to, to communicate to the family and translate. Um, but I saw so much brokenness but so much healing in that moment. And I attributed all of our wonderful counselor because I don't think it's any surprise that I'm 23 to everybody in here. There's no surprise. But I'm telling you, I lean on the wonderful counselor every single moment. So that's just special to me. I'm saying, okay, Lord, can uh, Jesus, like, I, I don't know what to do, but help me because I know that you have promised to be my wonderful counselor and you have promised to be a better counselor to them than I will ever be. So, Lord, man, be that. And so that's really just personal to me, and I share that with you because Jesus is the wonderful counselor. So the next thing we see is the mighty God. So we have wonderful counselor, and then Jesus is the mighty God. What I love about that word mighty is that it can really be translated as, like, hero. And I love it because it's like, man, all of us want a hero. I don't know if you guys remember Shrek and that one song, I need a hero. I, I don't know the rest of the song, but 
You know, I need to hear. Okay, um, someone's about to start singing this in here. Uh, but I just think of, like, how cool is it to think of Jesus as our hero? Like, I know the Spider-Man movie is about to come out as well. And so when we look at heroes, we think of people who are super athletic. We think of people who are super strong. We think of people with a lot of money, like Tony Stark. We think of people with a lot of talent. But when we look at Jesus and we see him as our hero, it's like he's the kind of hero that no other hero compares to. He's a hero of my soul. He's a hero of my life. All of my life, not just like my physical body, but like all of it. And so I just love how it translates to Jesus is my mighty God, my mighty hero. He's the one true hero of my life. He's the Messiah. He's my Savior. And I know we say those words all the time, but I really just wanted to sink in. And that's why I use this word hero, because all of us do look for this hero. And really what Isaiah is trying to tell us right here, that, that this child, that Jesus is the mighty God, is that he not only has the power of God, but he is the power of God. That he is, he is the power, he just doesn't have it, but he is it. And this is the same mighty God. This child is the same mighty God that Isaiah talks about in chapter 6. So I don't know if you remember chapter 6, but I want you to flip there in your Bibles to chapter 6. Because it says that this child will be born, this child will be given, but this child doesn't stay a child. This child grows up. This, this child is Jesus. He ascends into heaven. There has never, ever, ever been a time where Jesus did not exist. He has always existed. He has always been preeminent. And so in chapter 6, I just want to read this together. It says this, in the year... Uh, this is verse 1, by the way, chapter 6 of Isaiah. In the year of King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on the throne. The train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. <clears throat> verse 3. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. And then Isaiah says, Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. This is the mighty God. Jesus is the mighty God, the all-knowing, the all-loving, the all-present, the all-powerful, the God who holds everything in his hands, who sustains the world. He sustains it. And this mighty God is the God that answers to nobody. He answers to nobody but himself, yet he attentively listens to his creation. And I'm just like, what? You answer to nobody, yet you attentively listen to your creation. Goodness. We could just stop there today. You know what I mean? Like, wow, Lord, you are almighty. There's never been a time that you don't exist. And, and here's what's amazing, is that there are moments where we need God to just remind us that he's the mighty God and he's gracious to do that. Like, I don't, I don't think God needs to remind us of that because if we just look around and just pay attention, it'll be like, whoa, okay, yeah, there is a God. But he's so gracious to just remind us of saying, in the perfect time, I will help you when you doubt. In the perfect time, I will reveal my power to you. 
And I'll do it because I just really want you to trust me. I really want you to just walk with me and believe in me. And so when we think about Jesus as the mighty God, we can think of these three things. That he is where our power comes from. He is where our strength comes from. And he is where our eternity comes from. And I'll just say those one more time. He is where our power comes from, where our strength comes from, and where our eternity comes from. So we've seen that he's the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, and then we're seeing that he's the everlasting father, the everlasting father. This one has caused some people some confusion because they say, okay, how how can we say that this child, that, that Jesus is the everlasting father, like are we saying that the second person of the Trinity is like replacing the first person of the Trinity, that God the Son is replacing God the Father? That's not at all of what Isaiah is talking about. If anything, what he's saying, and, and just so you know, in, in, case you, in case you want to write this down, the early church, they, they said, uh, hey, that's, that's wrong, and that's called modalism. So let's not believe that, because that's wrong. So what is he actually talking about? So that's for all my Bible nerds in the room, they're saying it's called modalism, when you think that Jesus is now the Father. So anyway, I thought I'd just give that to you. And so uh, what Isaiah is talking about is that this Messiah, this, this child that would be born, would have this kind of relationship and, and this kind of, kind of father-like relationship with us because it is under him. It is under his eternal care that we are under his eternal protection, that we are under his eternal provision for our life. Because yes, he's our father, but he's our everlasting father. And Jesus, many of times, I mean, we see in John chapter 10, we see in John chapter 14, these moments where Jesus is saying, I and the Father are one, which is he's just trying to help us understand the Trinity and the triuneness of God. He's saying, I and the Father are one. And John chapter 14, he says, man, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, all these moments. And so he's saying that you will have a father-like relationship with me. And I hope that gives you some comfort because there might be some of you in this room that Maybe you don't have a good relationship with your father. Maybe you've never met your father. Maybe right now with your father, there's a little tension. Maybe right now you're saying, Misad, like, I just, I just never felt loved by my father. You see, Jesus is a great father, a father who loves you, who listens, protects you, provides for you. And he's not just going to do it for a little bit. Remember how I said that God knows all of your heart? He's not the kind of father who sees all of your heart and walks away. He's the kind of father who sees all your heart and stays forever. That's what everlasting means, forever. Jesus is eternal. In Revelations 1, 8, it says he's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the one who is, who was, and who is to come, the almighty. He's the everlasting father. And maybe here's a, maybe here's a little quote that might help you kind of encapsulate all of this. There's this guy, he's a really smart guy, he's a theologian, his name is Herman Bavink. He says it this way, Jesus takes away our guilt and again opens the way to our Father's heart. Hmm. That's really nice. It's our Father's heart. He perfectly reveals the Father. He perfectly shepherds us like a Father. He perfectly leads us like a Father. And there's just, there's just a little short story uh, I just want to give to you. It's not super long, but practically I went to go get a real ID uh, the other day. 
And uh, as I was sitting there with this, with this girl who was kind of helping me with the real ID stuff, she began to ask me what I did, who I am, and I told her I'm a pastor, here's what I do. And she began to ask me all these questions about the Bible. And I was like, yeah. And so we started talking, and she asked me what my name meant, and I said, well, who's greater than God, exclamation point, amazing. And she goes, okay, cool, cool, cool. And then I asked her, I said, well, you asked me all these questions. Can I ask you some questions? I was like, who's Jesus for you? Like, you're asking these questions. Like, are you curious who Jesus is? She goes, well, Jesus and I are just not in good terms right now. And I said, hmm, I feel that. Okay, okay. She goes, we're just not in good terms. And I just, I feel like he's been unfair. I feel like he really hasn't listened. I I feel like, I don't know, like, I just have so many questions for him. And so we had a great conversation. And I just told her, I said, look, uh, God is a good father, and he loves us. And honestly, he's asked us to obey, not to know everything. He's the one who knows everything. He's called us to be obedient, not to know every single aspect of what's going on. And as I drove away, I had this thought that I wish I could have given her Um, but I'll give it to you this morning. We need God's grace more than we need God's answers. We need God's grace more than we need all the answers. And he's a good father, and sometimes good fathers just say, do it because I said so. I can't fight with that, God. (laughs) I can't. And so the last thing we see here is that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He's the Prince of Peace. And, I, and I'll, just, I'll just say this. Um, when you think about the Prince of Peace, a prince is like an administrator. So it's like Jesus administrates peace. And if it wasn't for Jesus, we would not have peace with God. Amen. Period. We would not. And so I'm, I'm going to give you just a big application point for us uh, this morning. I'm just going to skip down uh, for the sake of time. I didn't, I didn't realize what time it was till just now. So here's the big... Uh, Here's a big application for us. Rejoice in God's timing. Rejoice in God's timing. Um, I'm going to use this as an example. And I'll leave you with this. When we rejoice in God's timing, here's something we have to understand. Many of us are maybe in this moment that are saying, I know God has called me to that. I know that God has led me to that. I know that God's guidance has led me to that. Like, whether that's a situation, whether that's a place, whether that's a person, whether that's whatever, God has led me to that. And what we want to do is we want to be here. But we're here. And what we forget to do is we forget to rejoice in God's timing and we forget that part of God's calling is the going, not just the being. Part of God's calling is rejoicing in the going. God, you've asked me to prepare God, you've asked me to pray. God, you've asked me, yes, you've asked me to do um, this job or, this, or go to this place, but there's people from that place that are here, so I'm going to minister to them here. God, there are aspects of that job that I can do right now, so I'm going I'm to do it now as I prepare and as I pray to get there. And, and God, I want to I eat that tamale right now, but I'm not going to rush it because it'll be soggy. And I'm not going to miss it because it'll be dry. You know what I'm saying? But we have to rejoice in God's timing as we go. Why? Because in the perfect time and in the perfect moment, Jesus will be your wonderful counselor. 
Jesus will be your mighty God. Jesus will be your everlasting Father. Jesus will be your Prince of Peace. God's timing. Because it won't be an accident. If Jesus can bring, or if God can bring, God the Father can bring God the Son in the perfect time, in a very intentional way that wasn't an accident, hey, in God's timing. In God's timing. Let's pray together. Lord, we praise you in this moment because I'm pretty sure all of us are are in that moment where we see or we know and and we we understand what you've called us to do. And we're just frustrated that we're not there yet. But Lord, remind us of how you sent your son at the perfect time. Remind us, Lord, that how at the perfect time you gave, at the perfect time you showed up. And so, Lord, as we walk in life, Lord, I pray for my family and my friends in this room that they would lean on you and understand that your timing is perfect. It's impeccable. That you are our hero. That part of the calling that you have in our life is getting there, not just being there. Because Jesus just didn't come as a 30-year-old man. He came as a baby. And it was part of his calling to grow up, to live through life, to be baptized, all those things. So Jesus, I pray that as we continue through this series, that you would remind us of that. That our prayer would be, Lord, remind me. Lord, remind me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.